the mastery curve is not a curve. It's more of a staircase. And when we plateau, that is natural. It's part of the process. Before we get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is Fun That Flip. And they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet. You know who Fun That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times, giving us his insight on the online lending process. Fun That Flip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days. And all of you best ever listeners, you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. And you'll get a free deal analysis tool. It'll help you provide a scope of work for your projects create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project, or if it's not profitable, you need to know that too, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Super important. You can print out all the detailed reports and that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluff and we'll only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. Today is Friday. Because it's Friday, we're going to be talking about what we got going on. In particular, today is going to be a little special. And I say we, let me first and foremost introduce my co-host on Follow Along Fridays, who's the co-author of the best real estate investing advice ever book, volume one, and soon to be volume two, Theo Hicks. Hey, Theo. Hey, Joe. Now, as I was mentioning, we will be talking about mastery today because last week's Follow Along Friday, Theo mentioned something about mastery and we talked about how it would be good to follow up today. In particular, at the end of our conversation today, you will know the four mindsets to the mastery process. And this is based on a book that Theo has read. I have not. It's called Mastery by George Leonard. And Theo's going to talk to us a little bit about what he's learned from that book because last week I was talking about some lessons I've learned from the talent code or one lesson in particular that I learned from the talent code and highly recommend going to listen to that episode, especially if you haven't read the book, The Talent Code by Daniel Coyley. I think that's how you say his name. So recommend reading that or at least listening to last week's Follow Along Friday. And if we have some time, I'll get into very briefly some of the other ventures like the 200-unit apartment community I'm closing on. About a month from today, actually, we'll close by December the 29th or a little bit earlier. So maybe a little bit less than a month from today. So Theo, help us understand first, why do we need to know this information? And then tell us a little bit about this mastery stuff that you've been reading. 
essentially what the information is, is it's less about how to master something and more about the three common pitfalls that people have when they are approaching mastering some sort of topic or in our case, we'll say if you're trying to master real estate, that's the example we use. And so most people, when they approach mastering something, they expect the growth and the results to come in like a linear fashion. So they expect it, you know, once they start, it'll increase at a constant rate until they reach the point of mastery 10,000 hours later or seven to 10 years later, where in reality, it's the mastery curve is less of a curve and more of like a, the way that it was explained to me was like a staircase. And so you've got these moments where you'll have an increase in growth or results or skill set, but then you'll have these longer sustained periods of plateau where you're essentially putting in all this work and you're not seeing as much results or improvement as you're expecting. And so those are the two different ways that I guess people look at mastery. And so from there, they explain these four different, in the book, they call them like archetypes or personality types, but it makes more sense to me to look at them as just like mindsets or like lenses that I have on of how I'm approaching some topic. And so the four different types are the dabbler, the obsessive, the hacker, and then obviously the third type is the master. You mean the fourth type? So dabbler one, obsessive two, what was three? Hacker. Hacker, and then the fourth type is the master. The the master. So essentially these are the four different ways that you would be approaching some sort of skill you're trying to master. I'll quickly go through them. So the dabbler is someone that gets super excited at first when they have this new, you know, unless they're getting into real estate and they're super jacked up about it. And they kind of get into it and they start learning about it. And it's a lot harder than they had initially expected it to be. They expected this linear growth curve, where in reality, they maybe got that first growth and they hit that first plateau. And since they're no longer getting any results, they kind of drop it. And like, this is not what I expected. I'm not getting the results I wanted. So I'm going to drop it, maybe move on to a different aspect of real estate or just drop real estate altogether and find something else to do. And they'll do that. And then they'll more than likely continue to dabble and kind of repeat the process over and over again. They get excited. It doesn't meet their expectations. And then they drop it again. So as a result, someone that is stuck in this dabbler mindset for their whole entire life should expect to have a very mediocre life. You're never fully getting into any and learning any skill. The positive aspect of the dabbler, however, is that it could be used to actually help you find the one thing that you actually want to do. And so in terms of real estate, you can dabble around the different niches like wholesaling and fix and flipping and long-term buying rentals and see which one you actually like. But make sure that that's what you're doing and you're not just running away from it because you're not reaching the results you want as fast as you expected. So that's the first one, the dabbler. The second one is the obsessive. Let's say you, you finally find the one thing that you want to do and you become like super aggressively and recklessly obsessed with that one thing because, again, obsessive also has this linear growth curve expectation. And so when they hit the reality of the plateau or the, you know, the staircase, they think that, oh, I can just go into hyperdrive and just blast through this plateau and get to the next step really quickly. Where, according to this guy's philosophy, he says that is just not the case. And those plateaus are, they're there no matter what. And if you approach it as, oh, I can just obsess over this and just keep working 10, 
12, 14 hour days to kind of push myself through this plateau. Typically in the situations, it ends in some sort of catastrophic failure where the person just like breaks down and completely loses their mind or they can just no longer do what they're doing and they kind of just reach a breaking point. At which point they, in my mind, from when I kind of relate this to me, it's like, this is when I'll be like, you know, screw this. I'm just going to play StarCraft on my computer for 12 hours a day for (laughs) a couple weeks. And eventually most people will recover from this, but it's just something that will happen when you become aggressively and recklessly obsessed with one thing and try to essentially hack your way up the staircase. Before we get in the hacker, though, with Dabbler, I can relate I can relate to both of the first two so far. Mm -hmm. Dabbler, whenever I had my full-time advertising job, I knew I wasn't fulfilled. Therefore, I was attempting to fill that void by doing a bunch of different stuff. One was writing a book and interviewing a bunch of people, and it's a book that hasn't even been published yet, even though I'd say it's like 70% written. Mm -hmm. It's on how to have a remarkable career, and I was interviewing people who have remarkable careers in various industries from you know, I interviewed the, the soldier of the year in the army to the VP of corporate communications at Southwest Airlines to a bunch of others. And I realized that I w- wasn't really interested in doing that full time. And eventually I just burned, well, maybe it, it ties into obsessive too, because eventually I just burnt out <laughs> and I, I never finished. But then also stand-up comedy is another thing where I knew going into it I was not going to be doing it full-time. I was just dabbling to figure out, really, to hone my skill sets on public speaking. I did the dabbling. But then an obsessive, I'm curious to hear where the hacker number three and number four, the master, the ultimate prize, I suspect, of where we want to have our mentality. I'm curious where the master overlaps with obsessive because I guarantee you, I've started out obsessive with everything I've pursued, including this podcast. Mm -hmm. And that has allowed me to have a daily podcast, the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. So I'm interested to see number four, Master, and how that overlaps with obsessive. Because I think we've got to start out as an obsessive person in order to reach where we want to reach, knowing that. 14-hour days probably isn't sustainable for the majority of the listeners, myself included, I think. So certainly the hours will taper off, but the drive and the obsessiveness for whatever we're accomplishing is, I think, in my mind, still there on a couple things that I haven't burnt out yet. So I'm curious to see where this goes. Absolutely. And the master, as you're saying, I'm remembering why I wanted to bring this up because the difference between the obsessive and master were were similar to what we talked about last week. But I'll get to the master in a second. I want to quickly go over the hacker, which I think a lot of people will also potentially relate with. And in this one, when you are initially kind of, again, going into, you know, real estate or for me, I actually kind of looked at this as like a process. Like at first you dabble and you try to, you know, okay, I try this, I try that. And oh no, I finally found this thing that I really like. And then I become super obsessed with it. And then I realize that that obsession isn't sustainable. And then you transition into either the hack or the Mm. master. And really the only difference between the two is the master takes it all the way to to completion. 
where the hack, what they'll do is they'll, you know, they'll, they'll come in and they'll be like, okay, I was obsessed with it, so I'm going to come back now and take it a little bit slower, like a more of a slower plotting pace. Now I understand that I'm going to hit these these plateaus and it's not linear growth. This is the first time this this mindset actually realizes that, oh, I'm expecting this linear growth, but in reality, it's this staircase. I'm going to hit plateaus and that's to be expected. And so since they have this new mindset, this person's able to get hit a couple growth curves, hit a couple growth spurts, and then ride out the plateaus and then, you know, hit another, maybe another growth spurt and, you know, one, two, three, however many of those that they get. But eventually they get at a point where they're like, uh, like I'm, I'm pretty comfortable right now. I'm good enough. I'm not the, and I'm not world-class at this skill or I'm not the best, but I'm good enough. And that's fine for me. And so at this point, they kind of lose their thirst and their drive to advance. And they start, you know, losing attention to the detail. Instead of doing mailers every single week, they're like, oh, well, I can just do them every month now or I can do them every two weeks. I don't have to continue doing what I was doing before. And so once that happens, they essentially stay on whatever plateau they started to become a hack at. And that's the one they stay on, I guess, basically indefinitely, unless they realize this was going on. And at that point, then that's when they're the master, where instead of, again, just staying on a plateau, they have tons and tons of deliberate, consistent practice every single day. And they always do that. They continue doing it. And they don't ever stop because <clears throat> they understand that when once I stop, I'm no longer going to be on the mastery path. And also something that distinguishes between the master and the other ones is that for the dabbler and the obsessive and the hack, more in the first two and kind of the hack is they're looking at it more of a means to an end. And, and so they're, they're not necessarily enjoying the, the practice and enjoying the process and enjoying the journey. They're only obsessing and loving the, the idea of whatever end result they're going to get to. And so for the master, it's not necessarily that they always love the process. It's like a bittersweet love, but it's kind of like they understand that even if I don't want to do this, I know it's what I have to do. Therefore, I'm willing to hold my feet to the fire because I know this is the one thing I've chosen to do and the one thing to master. And at the end of the day, like what else are we going to do while we're here in life aside from mastering something completely and enjoying the entire process? The master is where it's the balance of patience, but also like not just like not taking any action and being patient because that's the hack. The hack is being patient. They convince themselves that I'm just being patient, whereas in reality, they're just stuck on that plateau because they're not willing to do what it takes to kind of continue up that staircase. Whereas a master understands like, oh, I'm on a plateau and I'm going to, if I can continue working, you know, in a, in a month from now or a year from now or a decade from now, I'm going to go up that next staircase. And so for me, I love what I do and I love the process. And this is the thing that I've told myself I'm going to do. So I'm going to continue to master this skill. Yeah. The, the hack is more of a squatter. That's how I'm envisioning. It's like they've gotten to a certain point. So, you know, maybe it's like the 25-year-old who's graduated high school and got some college under their belt and might have a part-time job but is still living in their parents' basement or living at home and doesn't really have a true sense of self-identifying what they're wanting to pursue long-term or at least putting in deliberate practice every day towards some sort of focused action. And I think with the hacker, really I think of squatter and master, as you said, deliberate practice every day. They are in it for the long run, 
which is what we talked about last week, mm-hmm. the study and the talent code were basically, I recommend best ever listeners, if you haven't listened to this episode, go listen to it. But basically it's if you consider, before you undertake something like real estate investing, do you identify it as a long-term commitment or do you think about it as though it's something you'd like to dabble in because if you think about it as a long-term commitment this study and the talent code the book we talked about last week shows that you and I if I take the same approach will have exponentially better mastery of real estate investing if we think about it as a long-term commitment versus something that we're interested in and we're dabbling in. I could not agree more. And, and, and the advice that essentially it gave to kind of approach these archetypes, the second piece of advice is to stop thinking in terms of, of weeks or months or even years, but start thinking in terms of, of decades when you're approaching whatever it is you're doing. And so, again, don't really expect the results. Like, approach is like, all right, I'm going to be doing this thing for 20 years. The question that it's asked is like, what's the one thing that you are willing to spend you know, 20 years mastering? And then once you make that commitment, you'll understand that you're going to be doing it for 20 years. And so after a month, if you're not where you want to be, like, that's okay. Because I got, you've got 19 years and 11 months to go until you've reached your destination, so to speak. And then the second thing that helped me a lot because you want to identify what aspects of your life that you're the dabbler, the obsessive, the hack, the hacker, even the master, if you've ever even been on that path before in your life. And so I kind of take the time to sit down and be like, okay, what have I done before in my life that I've fallen into one of these categories and how did it end? Like For instance, like I think the big one for, at least for me personally, is the obsessive. When I, cause like At first I was like, what does this mean? Like, Kind of like you, it's like, oh, if you obsess about it, then that's perfectly fine. But I've never seen a catastrophic failure, whereas for me personally, the only thing that I can think of obsessing over is, is CrossFit, this workout routine that I did. And I did it obsessively for like a year and a half. And then it just completely one day I snapped and it just blew up <laughs> and I didn't work out for like two years. But at the time, I didn't realize why it happened. I was like, oh, I just, I don't know, it's just normal occurrence of events. Whereas now I have context to kind of go back mm-hmm. in my life and evaluate and be like, oh, okay, that's what's happening. I was being the obsessive. Like, okay, like what could I have done differently to like make myself a master at that? And then how can I take those same principles and apply it to whatever it is I want to do now? I love what you said earlier about how you see this as a process. And I totally, totally can see that as well, where with anything we approach, perhaps we don't dabble first, perhaps we go straight into obsessive. But I would think that in order to be obsessed with something, we would have had to become exposed to it in some form or fashion. Otherwise, we wouldn't be obsessed with it. Therefore, that could be considered the dabbling part. Mm-hmm. So I could see with anything, we dabble however long, whether it be over a year, 10 years, or 20 seconds. We dabble, then we obsess, then we hit the plateau because as you said at the beginning of our conversation, that it's not a linear growth process, rather it's a staircase. I agree, and sometimes you get kicked down the stairs, and that's Hmm. the Richard Branson quote that I talked about last week. So then there's the hacker where you go and you get a certain point, and then you plateau, certain point, plateau, and then you master through everyday practice. And I love 
to start thinking in terms of decades, not years, months, or even days, because we're in an instant gratification culture. And that's not going to change for the foreseeable future. So because we want things when we initially think of them, it's so difficult to shift our mentality. Isn't it difficult to shift our mentality from wanting it now to what am I willing to commit for 20 years? And that's where this opens up Pandora's box for how to actually be focused on something for a long period of time. Uh, Simon Sinek, I think is his name, on mm-hmm. uh, the TEDx talk. I recommend listening to his TEDx talk. That would be a good starting place. So if you just Google his name, and he talks about the big reason why we do things. Mastering something over a daily basis or doing something every day or over a long period of time and making a conscious decision before you start doing it every day because that's going to improve the quality of our practice. That combines last week's lesson that we're both learning and talking about and just happening to hit record and sharing it with the best ever listeners, which is when we go into something thinking it's a long-term play, then the quality of our practice every day will be exponentially better than if we don't. And combining that with today's conversation, which now I understand why you mentioned, hey, we should talk about mastery today. Combining that with today's lesson, well, when we go into that process, or rather while we're in that process, we should recognize that there's something we'll dabble with, then we'll obsess with, then we'll get a plateau, and then we'll need to rely upon our daily deliberate practice that we do towards mastery and not think about it in terms of days, months, or even years, but rather think about it in terms of decades. I can definitely speak to that That Simon, I don't know how to pronounce his name either, but that power of, of why I think is kind of what he talks about. And I can also totally relate to the whole entire instant gratification syndrome that's super prevalent in, in today's society. And, and the way that, it wasn't in the book, but the way that I kind of think about like the dabbler and the whole entire like thinking the the linear growth is going to happen is like when you see those exercise commercials they're like a quick 30 second commercial where you see some guy with the perfect push-ups and he's like you know doing them and they got the, the talk mm-hmm. in the background saying like you buy these perfect push-ups and then you know 30 quick days you're basically going to look like this guy they don't say that but that's what they're implying and so you buy it and like oh yeah if i just do this for 30 days i can easily just become this like super jacked six-pack bulging bicep guy and you expect like that i think of like in the the video i watched they call it like constant climaxes that are sold in the commercials where it's like mm-hmm. you take this and like the second you take this pill or the second you buy this exercise equipment you're going to see the results so quick and so it sets you up for this expectation of what's going to happen and then when it doesn't happen you just get defeated and so it's like you're setting yourself up to fail when you kind of come in with that one year or one month approach like you're setting mm-hmm. yourself up to completely fail yeah, because you're going straight to how do I get the sh- the hacks to this body versus if you do some studying, you can't outrun your mouth. Hmm. So really, your body starts with what you consume. It doesn't matter how much you exercise. If you're not eating right, then you're not going to have the washboard abs, or at least it won't be sustainable. 
you might go on some crazy diet and then get the washboards, but it's just not sustainable. So that's an example. And by no means am I a master or an expert on nutrition and exercise, (laughs) but I do know some basic concepts. And in your example, I think that rings really true because when we look at these washboard abs on these commercials, it's like, hey, get this piece of machinery and then you'll enjoy these abs. Well, not really. You need to eat the right food first because regardless of how much you exercise, if you're eating cookies for breakfast or you're eating big old quarter pound burgers for lunch every day, then those abs just aren't going to be coming to the surface. Great topic. I'm glad that you brought this up. I'm glad that you're sharing with us or you shared with us these four mindsets to the mastery process. And again, best ever listeners, it's Dabbler, Obsessive, Hacker, and then Master, and some takeaways. The mastery curve is not a curve. It's more of a staircase. And when we plateau, that is natural. It's part of the process. And we really need to rely upon our deliberate everyday practice and be aware that that's where you're at. And I think as with really all things in life, if we are mindful of where we're at, if we can somehow step outside of our body, which goes into meditation and other things, and recognize where we're at in the process, then we're much more equipped to take it to the next level than if we're so wrapped up in where we are in the process that we can't see the forest from the trees. Any other parting thoughts on this? No, I think you just wrapped it up beautifully. Cool. All right. Best ever listeners. A couple other really quick things. The best ever conference in Denver. We have extended the 10% off to the best ever listeners. So you can go to besteverconference.com and sign up with the code word best, B-E-S-T, and you'll get 10% off. Literally right now is the cheapest the tickets will ever be because we do it based on a certain ticket allotment is priced at a level that it's at now and that's the cheapest plus you're getting 10% off right now and then the next level will be a little bit higher next level next level keep on going a little bit higher until we get closer and closer to the date which is February 24th and 25th in Denver Colorado hope to see a bunch of you at the conference again go to besteverconference.com and put in that code BEST. And the conference is all about you, quite frankly, because when you sign up, you'll list what you're wanting to accomplish, what success looks like, what is an obstacle in your business. And then you're going to get a phone call from Ben, who is putting the conference together with me. He's in Denver. And he's going to make sure that the conference is personalized to you and the other attendees. Specifically, what I mean by that is we are working with the speakers to make sure that their topics are delivering on the outcomes that you're looking for at the conference. So it's going to be completely different from anything you've experienced attending a real estate investing conference, which is why we call it the best ever conference, of course. Additionally, another note, closing on, as I mentioned, the 200-unit just in the process of coming back from the holiday, so getting while well, the paperwork has been sent out to the investors. We are also, I mentioned last week, we capped the interest rate the most it could increase 
because of the interest rates creeping up. So we paid to have that done and we're finalizing that with the lender right now and really just doing due diligence and getting all the vendors out there and making sure everything checks out. So things are going well with that property and I think that's it. That's all we got today. So I hope you have a best ever weekend and looking forward to talking tomorrow. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work, help you analyze if the project's profitable and make a determination on the max purchase price fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Are you an investor who self-manages and talks to your tenants, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day stuff? Well, there's a better way. And that better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One will have the conversations over the phone with your tenants whenever they have issues. And it's also a way where the tenants can pay you directly through an online service. Go to securepayone.com or even better yet, shoot them an email. The email is info, I-N-F-O, at securepayone.com. That's I-N-F-O at S-E-C-U-R-E-P-A-Y-O-N-E.com. And they've got a free 30-day trial for you, securepayone.com.